Welcome to Let's Get Writing, the podcast that explores the creative process of writing from books, scripts, plays, and poems to songs and blogs. This series focuses on authors, publishers, and artists. Catherine's guests share their process of writing in all its forms. Listen along to discover personal journeys behind their work, explore options from indie to traditional publishing, and learn tips and secrets to inspire you. Welcome to Let's Get Writing. Welcome to Let's Get Writing. I'm your host, Katherine Taylor. I'm coming to you live from central Newfoundland, Canada. Let me know where you're watching from. Let's Get Writing is all about the writing process from creation to publication. And here is where we share the stories behind the stories and bring life to books. So please subscribe to my YouTube channel at Katherine Taylor TV, and we'll keep you informed of all our new episodes and guests. Now, my guest this week studied literature at university, attaining both a BA and an MA in English. And she also included a study program at Oxford in there as well. She attained a degree in journalism from King's College in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and after traveling the globe for several years and working in an array of mostly writing-related jobs, she decided the time had come to focus on her true love, which is novel writing. So I'd like you to join me in welcoming Charlene Carr to the show, and she should be with us in just a moment. Hi. Hi, Charlene. How are you today? Doing very well. Thank you. Happy (laughs) to be here. (laughs) And I'm happy to have you here. Well, I mean, I love the idea of all the traveling you did, but you have finally settled in in Halifax, Nova Scotia. (laughs) But not without spending five years here in Newfoundland, which was where I first became familiar with you. Um, How was our writing community here on The Rock? It was great. So supportive. I can't remember who I first met or how I got involved, but once I did, I just felt like I was welcomed with open arms and I learned so much from the writing community there. Yeah, we have a very robust uh, writing community and I'm constantly surprised by the number of people who show up with books and who are on my show. And uh, it's amazing. It just, it it seems like there's no end to it. I had no idea when I started, no idea. Now, um, you said your true love is uh, novel writing, and um, you know, I was thinking it might be your husband, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Career-wise, when it comes to work. <laughs> I understand. Uh, okay, so you have said that, and I really wanted to ask you about that. You've, you've uh, published independently nine novels, and which is really an imp- very impressive. We all know how much work goes into a book. And now you have your first agented novel, Hold My Girl, which is sold to HarperCollins Canada. So again, so very impressive. And also Wellback Publishing in the UK and Alma Latera in Lithuania. Uh, just amazing. And it's set for adaptation to TV by Blink Studios in partnership with Groundswell Productions. Hello. <laughs> I just want to know so much more about this. This must have been an amazing year for you to have this happen. Um, it has been. And actually, it's been overwhelming. Um, 
it was last spring that I secured my agent and then we only took the book on submission in October. And so all these deals came in the span of just two to three months, which was unexpected and uh, just thrilling. <laughs> I imagine it was. And I mean, once you, once you had those decisions to make and I mean, even the process of finding your agent must have been really quite something because that's, that's an issue that a lot of writers struggle with. How can I get an agent? And it's almost like a catch 22. What, what was that process like for you? So I think once I actually sat down and made this my focus, it wasn't that catch 22 that I thought it would be, you know, a lot of authors think, and I certainly thought that in order to get an agent, you needed to already be published traditionally, whether it be for a novel or a short story collection or, you know, stories in literary magazines. And once I actually started doing the research, I learned that a lot of agents are very excited to take on the work of new authors because when you're a debut, a debut author, you don't have that track record of maybe poor sales or maybe poor reviews. You're new and you're fresh and you're exciting and they can um, sell you that way. And so I was a little concerned that my public, my um, independently published books would hurt me in that, but they didn't seem to. There were a couple of agents who were a little concerned about it. The one I went with saw it as a sign that I knew how to write a book. I knew how to get it done and that I had really great reviews. So there were definitely readers out there who wanted to see my stories. Well, from my way of looking at it, I would think by the fact that you had so many self-published books would be an endorsement that you were capable of writing books and not just one. Um, would be a good thing. And I suppose any agent, if, I mean, if they're looking for raw talent, someone that they can discover and mold. So I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's, a, that's pretty encouraging. <laughs> now let's go back to your indie period. We're going to, we're, we're, we are going to talk about Hold My Girl in more detail, but I want to talk about that indie period, how you got started and how you wrote those nine books. What was, what was that all about? So the first full-length novel that I wrote took me about 10 years, <laughs> uh, lots of different versions, lots of different revisions, and that is not the first novel that I um, indie published. Uh, for that one, I had sent it out to a few local publishers, maybe three or four, and I'd had really encouraging feedback, but they said it just wasn't the right fit for what they were publishing at that time. And some of these really small publishers, they were only putting out one or two fiction books a year. And so when that happened, I thought, okay, I'm not writing what people want. And I'd only ever read books that you study in university, basically. And, you know, I've read on my own, of course, but those were the types of books I'd read. I'd never read any kind of commercial fiction. And I could tell that what I was writing, that book, although I, I love it and I think it's wonderful and, um, you know, has a lot of depth, it wasn't quite the same style of book that you're going to study the university course or in high school and so I just didn't know where my books fit and it wasn't until a friend encouraged me really kind of made me promise to to try indie publishing and I did that I wrote a new book for that and got into it and started learning and started reading the other books that were out there that I realized oh this is what I'm writing and so I think most of my other books would fall under the category of women's fiction and that's something I'd never specifically read before um, I love character-driven stories, and that's what all of my books are. And, 
you know, I have the the plot structure there as well. And, it, and it's just something that until I got into it, I didn't know what readers I was writing for. Yeah, and and I and I sometimes think that you're you weren't alone with that. I think many writers struggle with who is my audience mm-hmm. and what is my style of of writing and and going out there and trying to figure that out. Sometimes it is a matter of reading a lot of other books. Women's fiction is a huge category, and um, you know we know that we see those books everywhere, and uh, you know trying to find even your spot in there is is not the easiest thing but i did i did pull um i went on to your website and i did pull a comment and it says here i highly recommend these books for anyone looking to escape for a few hours not to a perfect world but to the real world with all of its joys and pains and that was a one of your goodreads um reviews so tell me a little bit about this world you take us into with your books uh I think I'm a realist in a lot of ways. And although, you know, if it comes to something that I'm consuming in a much shorter form, like a movie, I'm very happy with, I don't know, you know, those happily ever romances. But when it comes to a book, I've always really gravitated toward things that feel real. And, you know, I I don't shy away from pain and hardship and the things in life that all of us deal with and that help us grow. And I, and I find a sense of catharsis from that, both in my reading and my writing. And so when I write a book, I don't shy away from the hard things. And I try to create characters who feel like the people that we know in our own lives. And and that has to then include the really hard times too. And I think a lot of my uh, readers have really connected to that. A lot of the reviews I get talk about how it's raw, how it's real. And again, is that when you quoted, uh, said that it it doesn't shy away from the hard times in life? Yeah. I was joy and hope too, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and maybe that, I I think as we chatted earlier, that that might have been part of what brought your book that's going to come out in 2023, Hold My Girl, um, you know, to the interest of agents. Let's let's go back to that. And um, that story... um, and many of your other stories, I think sometimes there are, are pieces of you in there as well. Um, and tell us a little bit about the story, Hold My Girl, as much as you can. We don't want to take away from, Absolutely. <laughs> from anything. Yeah. So um, this was the first book I've written since I became a mother. And I realized very quickly that trying to be an author and an indie publisher is a lot harder when you have a very demanding baby. And so I wrote this book specifically trying to find Um, an agent. It's the first time I'd ever looked for an agent, uh, queried. And I knew I needed to write something that would really hit the pulse of our times and appeal to a lot of people. And so infertility is something that I've gone through myself. And when my daughter was born, I was genuinely concerned. She's through, she was conceived through IVF that there might've been a mistake and she might not be mine. Now I have no worries anymore, but in those first four three to four months, I I was a little concerned. And so when I sat down around the time when she was a year old to write this book to find an agent, that's what really stuck in my mind because there are so many women who go through similar things, whether they actually have IVF or just infertility and that may be something they're considering, that the question was there, like what would you do if the child you gave birth to was never truly yours? 
And this is a question that didn't exist in many previous generations. There would never be a situation where a mother would not know if the child she gave birth to was hers. Now there are switched at birth stories, but not the child mm -hmm. that you actually grew in your womb. And I think, you know, the agents, the editors, it seemed like a fresh idea to them and something very real and something very applicable for today's society. And they thankfully latched onto it. And I hope readers do too. Well, I, I think like you say, it's something that's very current. So many people are dealing with, with IVF these days. And it's quite conceivable that, you know, a mistake can happen, something it, like this. It does, Ooh. it has. <laughs> it has? Not with me, thankfully, but uh, it has happened with a number of people. Yeah, and so when you wrote this book and you were specifically looking for an agent, how, how did that process go? How did they respond and um, you know what happened? Um, oh, that could be a long story. <laughs> I try to make it succinct. Uh, yeah, I mean, I did a lot of research into queries and how to prepare your query and make sure that it's very solid, um, something that would catch an agent. And I did get a lot of responses. I think my biggest drawback was the book was longer than was standard for a women's fiction novel. And I think that, you know, made a number of agents uncertain. But when I did start to get some extreme interest, it was great. And I was in a situation where I was choosing between agents, <laughs> which is amazing because all the time you're like, pick me, pick me. And then suddenly the tables mm. turn and they're saying, pick me. <laughs> you know? So that was fun and exciting. And I'm so thrilled with the agent that I got. And um, that agency is really focused on um, dramatic rights. So be that film or television or the stage. Uh, I think film and television is, is their main focus. And so that was part of my decision and something that I'm so glad I was focused on <laughs> when I was choosing an agent. Well, it's all, it, it is very exciting. It's almost like a dream come true story. When I hear you talk about it, I get goosebumps thinking how excited <laughs> you must have been to have these things unfolding because it's really a, a dream of many writers to have something like this happen. Now, because your agent, I, I said to you, is your agent is here in Canada? <laughs> no, no. Where is your agent? She's in London, UK. Yeah. Now, how did that how did that hook up? It just was happened that you submitted there. Uh, basically, yeah. When I started looking for agents or deciding to, what actually put me on the path to finding an agent were some author friends who were agented, and their agents were in the U.S. And that had never occurred to me to look for an agent outside of Canada. As I said, I hadn't started to look yet, but if I had before talking to them, I would have thought that I was limited to Canada. And so once those doors were opened, I started researching sites like MS Wishlist and Query Tracker and just figuring out what agents would be most suitable for the type of stories that I write. And this story specifically, which um, I think would best fall under the category of upmarket. And so I sent to a number of agents and this agent, uh, Haley Steed from the Madeline Milburn Agency is one of the ones who got back and was very interested. And once I started digging in more, I just, and a few calls with her, I knew she was the right fit for not only this book, but for where I want to see my career. And what happened then? Okay, you had your agent and how did the whole um, deal come um, for the uh, series? What well, happened there? Um, so we went through a number of months of revision and then when we sent it on submission we had an overnight preempt which just 
blew my mind. Um, so if those who don't know, that's when an editor offers a significant amount so that no other editors can bid on the book. Um, and then maybe not even a month after that, um, the dramatic rights agent at MM Agency got noticed that we had an offer for an option for a TV show. <laughs> and we hadn't she hadn't sent it out yet. So our best guess is that um, one of the editors sent my manuscript to a book scout who sent it on to the production company. And it kind of went from there. Once we had that one offer, um, the agency sent it out to other producers and we were in a five-way bidding war, which was absolutely mind-blowing. I shouldn't say war, but competitive <laughs> bidding situation. <laughs> Wow. Well, uh, congratulations. I think yeah. that I haven't said that and it should be said. That's amazing. And really, you said that you felt that maybe all this was based on the strength of your manuscript. Would, would you stand by that? Absolutely. I mean, that's what the agents are, or the producers are um, basing their interest in the story on. And so uh, I guess if you're, if you're kind of asking what authors need to do is strongest manuscript you can possibly have um you know i spent three years on this one and then an additional well i guess two and a half years an additional six months with my agent and i think finding an editorial agent is really important too um mm -hmm. i think my story was wonderful the way i submitted it to my agent and i still think it is but i also think that she knew how to help me shape it and mold it to be something that would be more marketable and that would hopefully appeal to the widest uh, audience possible. And the way that we shaped it, I think, is a big part of why it did appeal to the producers. Um, because sure. right now, I, I remember uh, seeing a post from another agent actually saying that authors in today's world have to compete to a degree with streaming companies, with streaming shows, mm -hmm. because when someone's coming home, you know, and deciding what they're going to do for their free time, it's are you going to pick up a book or are you going to stream a show? And so um, if making a living from your writing is something that you want to do, I think it can be wise to kind of have that in mind, to, to write a book that is going to draw the reader in and keep them turning the pages. And how did you feel when the, the agent was taking you through that process of the editing? You, you, you'd put a lot into it. And at what point do you feel like, I, 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 you know, I can't do this again? Did you ever feel like that? Or, or did she offer very tangible things that you could? Oh, obviously, she did. Uh, those days came. Um, you know, yeah. there, there were some times when I was ranting and raving to myself and pacing the kitchen. And, um, you know, thankfully, I had the foresight to to always sit with the changes myself for a few days. Um, and I think in every situation, I could always see why she was suggesting the changes that she made and how um, they would help the book sell. And yeah, I think anyone going through that process, sit with the changes, even if there's some things that you don't agree with, um, think through them. And I, I mean, I do believe my agent was excellent in the sense that she always said, it's your book. You mm -hmm. know, these are suggestions. It's your story. It's your book. And most of the time, I mean, I think when it came down to it, I, I took every change, but sometimes I changed it in a way that was my own rather than what would have been 
her, her initial suggestion. Um, but yeah, just we, take time. You know, we're, you know, don't we're write very... back. Don't say this is ridiculous. <laughs> like I never did anything like that. I've heard of authors who do. Take yeah. time and sit with it. And if you chose this agent for a reason, then presumably you trust their their taste. Well, and... trust was the word that came to mind as yeah. you were saying all of this, and you put your heart and soul in the book, and someone is challenging some of the directions you've gone in or making suggestions. You have to put a lot of trust in them that they know their business, that they're taking you in the right way. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, five years from now, if you're with that agent, that'll be a whole different relationship. I mean, I you. hope to be with her for yeah. 20. <laughs> <laughs> you and never know. Thing, when you're choosing an agent, I mean, that happens. And my hope was someone who I could spend my career with. And, you know, whether that will happen or not, who knows? She could go in a different direction. But that's my hope. Yeah, amazing. So, Charlene, we, you mentioned that how at this time, you know, it's a choice. People can pick up a book. People can go on Netflix or Prime or wherever it is that they go. And sometimes it's easier to do that. If they come home and they've had a stressful day, um, just turn something on and sit in front of it. And a book requires a little more engagement mm -hmm. and focus. Um, but yet there's such an opportunity right now for writers to get books that are actually going to be produced. What's your take on that? There has never been a better time for authors to have that opportunity. And, you know, my goal was never to have my book made into a TV or show or a movie for the sake of it. It's to get more readers, um, to ensure that I can continue writing for years and years to come. And right now with streaming companies, they're all competing with each other. They all need content. And so what happened with me, a book being optioned before it's even been published was, you know, that wouldn't have been happening 10 years ago. If it did, it would have been extremely rare. And now it's not so rare because the producers know that these stories have already been vetted by agents, by editors. Um, and it's, you know, the opportunity gets even greater once they're vetted by readers, but they're, they're trusting those agents and editors on these stories and they're seeing the value themselves. And because of all that com competition and streaming companies needing to create shows, there's a better chance of these options actually getting made and the show's going to screen than there ever has been before. So, you know, fingers crossed, but I'm very hopeful and optimistic that we'll, we'll see Hold My Girl on the screen in, uh, in future years. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure everyone watching this program is hoping that too, because you've really, you've really intrigued us and it's, it's such a great concept and such a great idea. Um, okay, so that's the wonderful success story, but what's the typical day like for you, Charlene? You still have to get up and write. What's, what's your day like, and, and how do you approach your writing? With all of this going through your head, are you working on another book? Yeah, um, so my deals with the publishers refer to book deals. So this is, I'm now writing uh, the next book and it's the first time I've ever written a book with a deadline that I didn't set. So that is definitely a new experience. Um, I write five days a week and I have a specific word count that I try to get um, each time to make it, you know, so I know my first draft will be done when it needs to be. Uh, I'm basically a full-time mom to a very rambunctious four-year-old who it's possible you can hear in the background. <laughs> um, and yeah, so honestly, it's just trying to fit in it in when I can. Sometimes I write in the morning if she's, you know, having some screen time. 
Um, she loves talking to my mother on webcam portal. That's what she's doing right now. So sometimes I fit my writing in then and sometimes I do it after she goes to bed. And I just have it in my mind to sit down to write. And so when I wrote the last book, she was a baby and much more demanding. And I had to really lower my goals, 300 words. And if I could sit down and write 300 words, then I just said, you know what? That's 300 words I didn't have yesterday. And you just keep going and you move forward. Um, yeah. <laughs> and your best advice for, for anyone watching and who's saying, gosh, I wish, I know how much time you dedicated to this, to do all those nine books and figuring out, as you've told us your journey, this is not an overnight success story by, by any means. It, it, it really has been a process. And it's so nice to see where you are now. Um, you know, what's your best advice for someone who's thinking, gee, I'd love to do what Charlene did? You can't edit a blank page, would be my best advice. Get the words down. Don't be afraid if they're not what you want them to be, because um, you can make them what you want them to be. And also, don't feel that you need hours and hours to write. That used to be such a crutch for me, and that's why it took me 10 years to write my first book. I thought I needed a day where I had four to seven hours, just sit down and write. But you can write in 15 minutes. You know, this um, Hold My Girl, Honestly, sometimes that's what, if I had 15 minutes well, my before my daughter woke from her nap or she was a horrible sleeper, <laughs> um, you know, I would write and I would get it done. And sometimes you sit down and you think, I'm going to write for 15 minutes and you're able to go for an hour because life works out like that. But if this is a dream and it's something you want to do, don't let life get in the way. Make the time and know that if it's in small chunks, they add up eventually and you can create something that can change your life. <laughs> and more importantly, uh, <laughs> that readers will love and that will bring them joy and excitement and, you know, learning or growth. And I think that's where it, 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 it resonates from you. I can see it in your eyes, in your face, your expressions. When you talk about writing, it comes right back down to you wanted to, to be a writer. That was, that was what you wanted to do most. Mm -hmm. And, and it's evident. And I love all your books behind you. There's quite a few there. <laughs> I haven't, uh, I, I'm going to put some up in the stream so people can see um, beneath the silence. So that's and the 10 year one. <laughs> that's the 10 year one. Okay. We'll go back there for a minute. <laughs> uh, let's give it a bit of honor here. 10 years. <laughs> okay. And here we have a series. Yeah. And we mentioned before when we were chatting that you found that writing a series um, was a good way to go as well. Yeah, certainly for an independent author, because when a reader reads that first book, they're going to be a lot more likely to want to go on to the next one and the next and the next. So um, where we don't have the marketing power that big publishing houses would have, that is certainly a way to help keep those readers um, going through your stories engaged and yeah. coming back which is which is definitely what you want and again this series here i'm actually i'm reading the one in the middle that's the first book yes uh, behind our lives and that's set in halifax which is so cool yes. it's it's very nice to read about books that are set in places where the authors live and uh, how do you feel about that uh, it's fairly important to me i mean partly because it's obviously a little easier but partly because I love this place and it's got character and I know it and I feel better, you know, if I had a story that was specifically set in another place, fine. But if a story could technically be set everywhere, 
I want to set it in the place that would feel most genuine to me. And this is the place at the moment that I know the best. Um, and actually, that was a huge part of who, why I chose the production company that I chose, because they, you know, who knows what will happen, but they really wanted to set it in Halifax because they wanted to stick to that specificity and, and you know, make it a Canadian story and something that uh, feels genuine that they can hopefully uh, interest an international audience because of, I guess, just staying true to, to mm -hmm. the intentions. And that's the way the world is today. Yes. Charlene, thank you so much for, for chatting with me and sharing all this information. I know the audience will love it. And you're an inspiration to writers everywhere. And I'm sure you're not going to stop. <laughs> not anytime soon. <laughs> not anytime soon. And hopefully that production will be in Halifax. And uh, will create some economy and excitement for the city on top of everything else. So thanks, folks, for joining us on Let's Get Writing. And we'll look forward to seeing you again next week. Thank you, Charlene. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So please let us know what you thought of this episode and share your ideas for future guests or topics. You can email us at letsgetwriting at katherinetaylor.ca. Don't forget to subscribe and even leave a review. And if you love this episode, share it with a friend. Until next time, believe in yourself and let's get writing.